Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Comics Fondle Podcast. My name is Andrew, and my blog is comicsfondle.com. And my name is Vernon, and I'm the proprietor of the Comics Gallery, a finer comic shop in Wilmette, Illinois. And this is our monthly podcast where we talk about comics. And lately, we've been going a couple hours almost talking about t- individual comics, comics on TV and in the movies, and of course, other big things going on, such as. Well, uh, let's see. In, in comics, what do we got this week? Uh, D- you know, it, it all sort of imploded with DC and Marvel. Uh, laying about their relaunch plans for summer right now. Uh, I'm not quite sure. Marvel is a little more oblique about it than DC is, but uh, both of them seem to be reinventing the wheel as usual with the massive company-wide reboot that's coming our way. And let's see, April, May, June. I think around June we can expect these horrendous things uh, from DC. And who knows what's going to happen with Secret Wars. I'm, I'm, I'm figuring it out as we go along. You know, they give us the bits and pieces of the information. There's a little, there's a little tidbit, man. And our Alex Ross cover will throw you, but that's all. <laughs> that's but um, uh, Marvel is killing in sales. Uh, the Star Wars number one came in for January. That was like their big queen mothership that came in, and uh, they beat forty what forty one percent of the market to DC's twenty three in January, which. Can't be can't be really good to people who have stock in Warner Communications or like DC Comics these days. Um, but I'm not really sure. They've announced a lot of like uh, mid-list uh, characters in miniseries. Some of them sound interesting. We got that guy. Is it Gene Lang, the Chinese writer, who's going to be taking over? Let's see. These this you know I read about this yesterday. He's taking not the Justice League. Uh, he's taking over something. It's kind of radical, which I thought was weird. And they're doing a Bizarro comic, and uh, they're bringing back Prez, which is pretty strange. Uh, but I don't know if any of these are going to hit or make them into the next level. I mean, they talk about storytelling. They talk about uh, comics having an introductory point that anybody can get into rather than get involved in this miasma that is continuity these days. And, uh, well, none of the titles really seem to shake my tree, let's put it that way. But uh, I I have hope because you see a little loosening of the strings that brought books like, you know, Gotham by Midnight and Grayson and uh, Batgirl out recently. It's like, okay, maybe they figured it out, but uh, we got two months of conversion. And let me tell you, as a retailer, I'm really really rooting for conversion because I need my DC sales to turn around. (laughs) I'm telling you. Image is beating them these days. Have you heard any uh, grumblings uh, about Marvel at all? Like, are they re- reinventing the wheel or just going to keep going or what's going on? Well, now it's going to be uh, – it's going to combine the Ultimate Universe with other universes and do that whole thing with uh, bringing in uh, possible other realities. So, you know uh, – Peter Parker could conceivably still be married and things like that. Well, we just had the Spider-Verse where Dan Slott had fun with that idea. I wonder if it'll be as much fun as that. I kind of doubt it, but we'll go along with it. So, yeah, Um, it's... uh... I'm glad they're getting rid of the Ultimate Universe. That thing was like the ugly stepchild. Nobody really (laughs) wanted to buy them or read them or... You know, and Marvel wasn't investing any really expensive talent in the books. You know, they were kind of just like there, you know, and I'm like... Why do you publish a line of books that are just kind of there? That doesn't make any sense to me. You know, either bring them to the – Sorry, go go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. I I was going to say, you know, either, you know, do something with them, put some real creators on them or get rid of them. I'm kind of glad to see them go, you know, because they're always a pain in my ass because you get that that one customer. You carry Mike Morales, the male timid Spider-Man. I'm like, no, sorry, sorry. (laughs) You know, I, I don't, I don't have time. I'm sorry, sorry. You know, but uh, you can't carry everything. You know, and the ultimate has never made the cut. And I don't know, I don't know what to expect out of Marvel. I just know that it's going to be hideously expensive, and the first chapters will be four ninety nine, and the last chapter of it will be four ninety nine because that's how the marketing is working these days. So let's see what happens anyway. You know, uh, what else we got? You know, this is one thing, and here I'm doing all the talking. I apologize. You know, you want, you want to butt in? Not yet. Uh, the Marvel stuff, it just, they're promising it's not going to bring it in line with the movies. That's not why they're doing this. It would just be nice and convenient if it got more in line with the movies. 
Well, I'm not sure I want them in line with the movies well, either. Well, there's that too, but of course. Yeah, the whole the whole well, you know, they can't use the word mutant, so they got to do this inhuman thing where everybody's a relation to uh, the Cree with the Terrigen Mist and Black Bolt inhuman shit, you know? And I'm like, well, I can see that from a legal perspective why you do that. It's just when they deny 50 odd years of, you know, what they've set out so far. Mm-hmm. And eh, I don't know. It's kind of like a black Jimmy Olsen. I mean, I'm going to check it out, see how it works. You know, I'm, I'm on board. We'll see what happens. Um, another topic that I wanted to hit on before we get into the reviews. Um, I saw an article online and, you know, I, I haven't had a chance. I bookmarked it. I just haven't had a chance to pursue it about the, the vanishing of indie comics. I think, I, I think that was the gist of the title. Okay. And, and I, I went further on to say mature readers' titles as well, because in my shop we have this thing called the naughty wall, which is behind the counter where we keep the mature reader stuff that people have to ask for. It's not exactly ideal in terms of selling because a lot of people don't want to ask you for something. You know, okay. they just want to go up to a rack and pick it up. But since I was in this really nice neighborhood and I'm a parent, I'm like, you know, let's put the Vertigo stuff. And you know, and back when you were a customer there, you had to get the Vertigo stuff from the wall behind me. But it's all amped up now. I mean, with Image taking over a bigger section of the market and Dark Horse and Oni also doing very well, and probably altogether they sell more than as much as Marvel and DC here to combine now. Uh, I've had to like make the whole West Wall kind of forbidden to small kids. Because okay. Image now resides along that wall, along the regular part of it, and then we have other stuff. And it seems to like, we don't really have like this segregated thing now because it seems like comics have started, even the mainstream stuff has caught up on, on violence and sexuality to a point where, where it used to be on the naughty wall at my store. Now it's right, right there on the DC rack or right on the Marvel rack in some cases. And we really don't have like an independent comics anymore. It's, it's very unusual. There's a, a few, but everything is done in a professional manner. They're printed right. professionally. Uh, a lot of these guys are online now, so they really don't print until they get to a certain level of where they have a product that's worth printing. Um, and uh, mature readers as well. It's like we're, we're kind of at that point where like the big three networks had to deal with with cable television. You know what I mean? Like at one point you're going to have to expand your audience and to do so you're going to have to allow mature readers material to become – Maybe not as big as your all ages features, but it's got to have a place within your repertoire. And uh, my shop now doesn't really have segregated sections. In fact, I've had to segregate the all ages section at the front of the store now, where I tell parents that that is where all the non controversial books are, you know, basically. Right. So it's kind of weird how that's shifted in the last 10 plus years. So one thing I've noticed is that. We've been talking a lot about on the on the podcast the whole time. We've been talking about how in, uh, indie comics are picking up, and we've I think we've gotten to a point now that the sort of transition to image that started with Chew being a big deal. Has, yeah, that has now be. hit. Like we we've we've hit the time. You know, we're now in. It's now time that people are have left Marvel and DC, and it's not. It's not just us. It's general readers too have left, and they've gone over to to primarily Image, and I mean they they still check in when you know their favorite comic gets re released, but. Or a new series, but it's kind of like us, you know. We approach it very guardedly because, what is it? You know, Invincible Iron Fist is many years ago. It's been a long time yeah. since one of the big twos really done anything for us. And even when you, I was talking about Grant Morrison the other day and how he got to relaunch Superman. He got to essentially do Ultimate Superman, and that's that didn't light the world on fire. People didn't really care. No, no. It, it was a great, great book, but it didn't, like, bring Superman to everybody's consciousness because Superman's not necessarily the type of character that's going to come to the forefront of everybody's consciousness. He may be an icon of a past era, and to bring him 
continuously try to modernize him, you're going to have to bring him up with some modern concepts, otherwise it doesn't work. But Right. But we're at that point now where I've got like, uh, you, you remember Corey, right? He came in the shop today. He hasn't been in my shop for a while. And because he got, you know, he had two daughters, got overwhelmed, didn't have time for comics, yada, yada, been there. Mm-hmm. But uh, he came in and he's like, you know, Vern, I'm really enjoying these indie things. There's so much more. I mean, he <laughs> says, I'm still going to buy Spider-Man. I'm still going to get Batman. But all this stuff from like Image and Dark Horse and Oni is so much more interesting and it's better done. And I'm going to collect their stuff from now. I'm like, well, good for you, you know, because now he's got a, a much wider experience and he's more fulfilled as a reader. And I'm like, good. See, that's that's kind of getting echoed among progressive shops anyway. It's really working I, out nicely. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how these old dinosaurs who still have like 99 percent Marvel and DC, they got to be hurting, man. I tell you. Well, hey, how about some, go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking, I mean, DC, we were, we were talking about it right after we heard the convergence news that this is too little too late. And you know, they're, they're, this is the kind of thing that they could have, if they'd ex- acknowledge some sort of defeat on the new 52 bleeding readers, this might've helped back then, but now you're getting stories in their own continuities. You're basically getting a, a bunch of limited series. And like I said, I, I told you, I always liked uh, DC limited series, but I don't think I was expecting them ever to convert over to that entirely. Oh, yeah, right. They, they kind of realize that not all concepts are made to be ongoing monthlies till the end of time. Well, because here's the thing. You know, if they did – if they were interesting teams, right? Yeah. That might mean something. Like imagine if – all right, who did uh, – was it Metal Men that they had that one series of? You remember that? Uh, yeah, that was done by the artist. He wrote and drew it. Yeah, what was uh, his name? It wasn't uh, Cameron Stewart. It no. was, uh, uh, yeah. I, it, but, but yeah, that was a very effective, uh, re, reinterpretation of the, uh, the, uh, metal man. It was very dense as hell. I mean, the guy must have spent years plotting the thing, but yeah, it was uh, Damien. I'm sorry. Duncan Rulo. Duncan we Rulo. loved this book. We just loved it. What if yeah. this, what if we got this back? That would be awesome, but we're not you know, getting and it, that. And it might have been before its time, like a piece of French Impressionist art. And now, now you can deal with this radical interpretation of the Bring metal. This back. Bring this back. Hoping- if you're going to actually do this. Bring Ed Brubaker back with Cameron Stewart to do four issues of Catwoman. Get me excited. Bring back Gotham Central Limited series. This yeah, is what Image is doing. They're releasing stuff in five issue arcs and they're seeing what they can keep going with, you know? You're not people aren't publishing five issue arcs now for the trade. People are publishing five and six issue arcs now because it's seeing if there's a market for the comic. And if right. DC, who needs desperately a market for their comics, would approach it with this sensibility. I really feel like you would get people interested again, but I went through all of the convergence stuff and I was like, I don't care about any of this. I mean, some of it, I was like, Ooh, like five years ago, I might've given this a shot, but they've just bugged yeah, me right. too much. For two you know? issues, especially. Yeah. Yeah. But and then it's, it's like, like, they announced all the post convergence stuff and you go through it and you're like, Oh, a Batmite comic. I don't care. Forget yeah, maybe it. For no. Kids. Yeah. 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 Uh, or, or Bizarro. It's going to have to be something really unique approach to Bizarro to get me to want to read Bizarro. Okay. Um, what was that other thing too? Uh, you're, you're looking at some of this stuff and you're like, uh, it's, it's not just too little too late. It's just that there's nothing, nothing new about it. But you know, we had that solution. Uh, I think on our last podcast, we said convergence would have been a great idea. You know, 40, 42 shots, uh, of books that you could solicit to anybody on the face of the earth and get probably what, at least 250 uh, valuable pitches, right? Mm-hmm. And you could have picked 40 of those easily. And then you could have assigned some, uh, you know, writers and artists that work together. A lot of indie stuff, a lot of wild stuff. I don't know why they weren't willing to take a chance cheaply. They could have, you know, the whole thing is cheap. You and I talked about, well, that's why all the writers are gone because they got cheap. 
And why are you going cheap? Why don't you just have two issue miniseries with a bunch of people who are just looking for two issues to to grab a quick check and move on with or something like that, you know? And if Duncan Rulo does well with two issues of Metal Men, give him a miniseries or something, you know? Right. And we've been talking about this for years that this was what was coming was some way of getting people interested in the series and then coming back with another uh, limited series, which is basically, you know, there's no reason Lock and Key couldn't have been an ongoing series. It uh, just no. wasn't. It was what a series of arcs because it that's was a kind series of, of mini series. It was just a series of arcs. I mean, not too much time went by between them, and really, um, one could argue it was a long story. And it was a long story, but they didn't publish it that way. They published it and they branded it to have. Um, They, to have individual titles to it, which made it feel more, which yeah. sort of made it feel bigger. I mean, you had two number ones a year, you know, the, right. the whole series right. has had multiple number ones. And I, that's a different situation because I'm sure in a lot of ways you don't really need to worry about um, getting your comic book published if you're Stephen King's son and, you know, right. you can yeah. ask him to cut you a check to pay the artist. Right. Like... <laughs> I don't know that Stephen King paid the artist. I'm just saying that, you know, it's a different situation Joe. with Joe Hill. He's uh, right. He's got a name. He's got a name. He's got more money than, you know. He doesn't need to do comic books, although right. he could do. And I have never seen him do anything other than lock and key that I've really cared about, to be honest with you. I don't know if there's, like, something out there to tickle people's fancy, but I haven't seen it. Anymore. He writes books, too. I don't know how how popular they are. But, I mean, the point is, is that, you know, we've seen this, and it was weird when Lock and Key started doing it, but now we've gotten to the point where it's in, entirely acceptable. Uh, we've seen uh, not it. Only, it's good business sense. It's good you business at, sense. We've seen yeah. it with DC over the years when they did... Um, Unsuccessfully, they tried to do the the um, Kevin Smith Batman's. All right, right. Uh, but those were essentially one or three long series published as uh, separate series. And then there's um, what is the some of those Justice League ones that had sequels. It seemed like they were getting into this in the mid uh, aughts, sort of right before Identity Crisis. It seemed like they were getting into the idea of Yes, you would have a um, uh, the Tom Strong spinoff series, The Strange Planet. Right. You'd have uh, two it, of those, and You'd, it seemed like a natural extension of something that was uh, it was inventive and it was needed. It was right. needed, it and needed. you know that last Tom Strong series. You know, every, what if every when. I think we probably said this in the second episode. What if every August you have a six issue Tom Strong series to look forward to? Yeah, that would be great. It would be very regular. I mean, it's like, you know, they got to hit up the, the TV model. Um, well, well, you know what? You, you also look at the business model um, of uh, Brian Vaughn and uh, Fiona Stapa's saga. They do six issues. They take two months off. They get the trade out, and then the next month they start on their own time with the next arc. So they're on time. So they do six issues. Two months off, six issues, and it's punctuated by trade, so the income keeps coming in. And then I think I saw this revisited in Copperhead where Jay Farber, is that mm -hmm. his name? He talks about the exact same publishing type of thing, although he says they'll be doing one issue and two issue arcs as opposed to five issue arcs. He says, but it's still our goal to do trades and take a break and see how things stand. And then Kelly Sue DeConnick says the exact same thing, even more explicit in bitch planets editorial thing where she talks about well we'll see how this goes and she and says we'll take a break and try a trade and then we'll try for another arc I it, think, it just um, seems to be echoing itself rocket girl does that uh one would hope i they just canceled six on my invoice last oh, week well hopefully that's but, just late <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's always been late but it's really late hopefully they mm. got time um, how about the reviews, man? We have brought some reviews, baby. Okay, so we have... We I don't know. Gonna... It was my my week's favorite coming up first on the charts. I'll let you go for it, though, because I've been yakking too much. Well, especially since I've, I I managed to not read the second one on the list. Um... Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Well, no, I meant to. I just, I don't know what happened. Satellite Sam number 11. We finally get a new Satellite Sam. Uh, it's a really well-written issue. Um, Fractions yep. does some great stuff throughout. Howie's art is crappy. <laughs> oh, you know what? It was very noticeable. It was what you call a serviceable type of sketch art. When compared to what we've been treated to for the last bit of the comic, it was kind of embarrassing. I'm hoping how he goes over this for the collected version of this uh, title. It is. Uh, it was some lazy art in this, and I was like, "This." If we'd seen this the first issue, I don't know that we would have gotten so thrilled by it. I do not right, think so. Howie's sexual fetishism really has to come through, and uh, this was just a very perfunctionary art thing for him. Thank God Matt Fraction's script was right on, because that just plows you right through the whole thing really nice. You know, reading the book, I couldn't help but feel like a book like uh, Satellite Sam, and I can't think of any other really good examples right now, but it sort of seems to be bringing back the soap opera comic book, which is kind of cool because it's doing it in a, in a different way, but it just, I can't even imagine a Marvel or DC mainstream book holding up a dialogue level. No, not a single. Yeah. It is not even in the same league, but you're right. It's so pleasant to have a kind of soap opera book coming out. You know what I mean? I, I like was it you mentioned on your blog about who was the only sympathetic character in the entire mm. – uh, who was that? The uh, black guy, Gene. The, the black guy who's who's the Ernie Kovacs character who's actually half African-American who's been found out. And in what, 1955 or 56 when this takes place is not a good thing to be on your television show on the airwaves. It's, it's just filled with just so much uh, – Loving density, I guess you'd call it. But uh, yeah, Howie Chaykin's art's got to pick up on that next issue. I hope. I hope he's not sick or dead or something anyway. I think his left-footed monkey drew this one. Oh, it was pretty bad art. Um, Okay, so right. you got the next one. I didn't read it. I, I got I got Squirrel Girl. Now, I know this is going to be a big hatred for all Marvel fans out there, but this is actually a nice loopy title. And it falls under that, like, weird... Books Marvel doesn't publish because their normal fan base doesn't get it. Uh, it's a Squirrel Girl is a nice, uh, loopy adventures of Dan Slott's continued character. Although I don't think he invented Squirrel Girl, uh, he made her what big in the Great Lakes Avengers, and she's in her own uh, series for Marvel. They haven't said many, but I'm thinking many. I can't imagine this thing going on forever. But it's a great humorous thing. And the first issue where she goes to college, she meets a roommate. She fights Craven the Hunter on the canvas, and then later on it's promised the next battle is Galactus. It's kind of weird, loopy, surreal shit that's funny and, and, and rollicky and has its own energy. And if you're into those kind of books, I'd highly recommend it. The second issue continues onward where she's cognizant of the fact that she has to face Galactus, but she's wondering how to do it, so she has to break in a Tony Stark's weapons factory to get some armor. It's, it's pretty hilarious, ridiculous shit. But uh, Squirrel Girl, go for it, Marvel fans. You need a break from your tedium, let me tell you. Oh, man, do I have to, I'm going to let you have Grant Morrison because we might we might disagree on this one. I, I didn't know. read it. You didn't read it, us! Go away with your Grant Morrison. I boycotted uh, it. Ah, uh, well, uh, you know what? Grant Morrison's been somewhat structured lately with his, uh, his multiversity book, uh, that book he's doing for Legendary Annihilator. And Nameless, he's kind of forcing himself into a bit of a discipline as far as plot is concerned, and it's helping on these books. Uh, Nameless has a nice thing. It seemed, uh, He seems was he's teaming up with his old Batman cohort. Uh, who, is our, who is our artist on that? Chris Burnham, that's his name. Yeah. For some just beautiful visuals and this uh, quest of this guy who gets snookered into a big uh, whodunit type thing. And it's just it's just all over. And for two ninety nine. It still whoops the shit out of anything on DC and Marvel's rack, let me tell you. It's kind of funny seeing these mainstream guys just like, maybe not taking their A game, but taking their talents and just saying, Here, here's a weird fucking superhero comic. Read it, fools. And it works. So I recommend Nameless. Moving on, Hawkeye. Hmm. That's a tough one to review, but you managed to do it pretty well, it looks like. You know... We talked about, I mean, we've been talking about Hawkeye this whole podcast. 
We 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 talked about it when they announced Kate was going to get every other issue to give David Aja time. Yeah, I remember those days. And then they canceled that. They never published a single one of those comics they promised us. And it's because Matt Fraction is bored. Yeah. He's bored with Clint, and for whatever reason, they're not letting him do Kate issues. And maybe he didn't really want to do Kate issues. He just wasn't bored with Kate because... Kate was a lot more interesting than Clint. Clint is... The issues just does not work out. Um, David Ajay goes for a lot of design and it doesn't work out. Um, Matt Fraction's uh, plot points are really manipulative and sort of desperate. And And obvious. And obvious. And you're just, like I said at the end of my post, if he didn't want to write it, they should have let somebody else do it. Yeah, I, I agree. The whole thing was tired. The whole time you're reading this, it's a slug. And I'm still not sure what Barney's doing it anymore, you know. And I, I'm like, okay, it, 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 he's kind of using like some kind of weird movie type thing to finish this off with Clint or something. I don't even know if it's an original idea or not. But I, David Aja's art is perfectly fine, okay. He doesn't have much to illustrate, but he does a fine job of doing it. And the ending is kind of trite, so why even bother? Should we just skip Hawkeye 22? I, I, don't think I almost want to, you know? <laughs> yeah, it got pushed back to the schedule to what, like late March, April now? So I'm like, you know, I don't. why do you bother publishing something if it's, if it's just so slugged and mired? I don't know. They owe Matt a check. They paid for the script. I don't know, you know, but... You would have been better off just dropping this and just putting the forefront on the new Jeff Lemire version of Hawkeye, which is due out in another month or so, uh-huh. right? You know, don't distract fans with this this stuff because this ain't getting you the audience you want, that's for sure. Okay, hey, so... Speaking of Matt Fraction... I didn't read it. You didn't read Casanova? Nope. All right. Casanova, number one. Uh, reintroducing a character to his head... Three arcs. Uh, let me see. He uh, went on for three volumes in the Image reprinted Casanova series about a time traveling, dimension hopping, James Bond type character that uh, ooh, he goes his way through like different variations of himself and his family. His father's head of the spy agency, his sister's God knows what in every dimension. And it fills it with a lot of psychological baggage that was Matt Fraction's. Uh, bread and butter back in the days before he started working for Marvel. Uh, these books are wonderfully illustrated by, uh, what is it, Fabio Moon, at least the loose one, but the earlier ones also had his brother Gabriel Ba on them. And there's just a really nice synchronicity between Fraction's script and his characters and the way they're depicted. Now, the coloring in all these books is just really nominal. I mean, they pick one or two colors to do all of them. Casanova is a real unique reading experience, and I'm happy to say that they carry through the energy in this new one. Uh, definitely worth a look, and if the eight-page backup story doesn't make any sense to you, it's because you're probably not familiar with the characters in the first three volumes, but don't let that turn you off from the main story in the front. Uh, a pretty good book overall, So, and uh, it falls right through. Got a question? Well, you know what? I liked Casanova. I read the first series. And then I feel like I got I, – I fell off of it before I should have, you know? Yeah. He, and, he, you know, he definitely weaves a good tapestry, but it does take a certain type of person to really like it. But, you know, it, it may not grab you sometimes, but – I might have to go through it again someday. You know, I'm amazed. You know, Matt Fraction, you know, like we said, we just found two books by him. He uh, seems to be a very emerging, mature comics writer, which yes. is rather pleasant. You know what I mean? He's he's in the big leagues now, I guess you can say. He's he's done enough good work where I can honestly say I feel comfortable with him, you know? But anyway, Casanova's a good read. Go out there and buy it. Andrew, you can do the talking on this one because I didn't get a chance to read Birthright. Birthright 5. You know, this comic is still um, – are you reading it? Did you read 4? No, you know what? I, I had a similar thing with you with the the Casanova. I got the first issue and a half out of the wing, and, it, and it, for whatever reason, the characters didn't grab me enough to keep going. Mm-hmm. 
So, issue five of Birthright, uh, and I think we're going to throw all of our Joshua Williamson together because Vern's got one and I've got two more. But this is the comic where it's basically Conan, uh, some kid goes off to another world, turns into Conan, comes back, has to uh, fight bad wizards, but secretly they're good wizards because he's now a villain, blah, blah, blah. He teams up with his family. It's kind of like Daryl and Flight of the Navigator from the 80s. It, yeah. it really does play in. It's like a mean... It's like Gremlins, almost, the first one, in terms of it being um, cute and cuddly at one angle, but very harsh and Yeah, it's got the stereotypical elements, but he manages to to spoon-feed them to you well enough that it's not offensively cute or anything. Yeah, and this issue has some real surprises in it, and it was was cool. I mean, it's it's working out to be a good book. Williamson is... uh, When I was reading comics this week, I sort of went through most of my Williamson stuff together just because I was, uh, I don't know, in the mood. Well, we've I, been impressed by him as a writer. Yes, the, last the first year, one so. was Ghosted, which you're going to talk about now because you found the series in the first place. Oh, yes, I did. I enjoy Ghosted. I happen to think that it's one of those books that Image publishes that is so good in its consistency of quality that it just whoops the ass off of anything Marvel and DC are putting out right now. Williamson seems to click with this, I'll say, small array of artists really well who seem to like work within the idiom real well i don't know what what where he gets these guys is there is there really a a regular artist on ghosted i don't know there's a lot of indie books where the writer has a relationship with people and he gets a bunch of his friends or people he's met to illustrate an issue or two or an arc of something and Mm -hmm. then they move on and it's in this case the chemistry has been spot on i mean ghosted hasn't uh disappointed at all and it's got 17 freaking issues now did you read Ghost at 17? I did. Yeah, what would you think of it? I thought it was great. I was just letting you talk about it because I am gonna. I get to talk about the next two. <laughs> yeah, okay. I just like Ghost at you know, And the Dan Panosian cover was good too. <laughs> and the art on this one, the fill-in art, was really good. It One of the things I really liked about it was it gave you this feel of like a Marvel horror comic. Well, exactly. I mean, it just... Which the comics never it. had before, so that was like really cool, you know? like yeah. You, you can easily just, like, bypass the mainstream stuff and read Ghosted, and it's scary and fun and everything, you know? Um, okay, I'll, so... I'll let you go. I'll go ahead. The next two, the next ones we're going to talk about, uh, or I'm going to talk about, are uh, Nailbiter, which Vernon also fell off of very early. Uh, and I am a big... Uh, I'm very sympathetic to Nailbiter. I think that Williamson is... Uh, a very uh, aware, self-aware writer, and it it comes so it really through. Shows. It does, yeah. and I mean, he he has fun with these concepts um, that he could just be making fun of, but he takes them seriously, and it works out. This issue of uh, sorry, um, the, the latest nail biter. The art's uh, terrible, though. So. Oh, is it and the, you didn't like the artist. That's why you didn't read it. So this guy's finally fulfilled all of uh, your fears. Has he? I mean, you know, that, that was a problem. I mean, I acknowledge Williamson as a decent writer. I, I don't think I've ever read anything that I found bad by him. It's just that the visuals on Nailbiter were so distracting to me that it, it made it hard for me to buy in on the concept. But then, I'm again, I'm a bit of an art wank, so that's probably how it goes. Of course, you have not read... Uh, Robocop, so you don't know what it's like to be disappointed by Williamson. Because, yes, he can disappoint. This issue of Robocop, um, you know, the book's been, it started out strong, and actually, uh, uh, someone commented on it on my post on the blog, and it's even better than what I had to say about it. It's incredible (laughs) that Williamson can write the human character so well while having absolutely no idea what to do with Robocop. Ooh, that's rough. Yeah, so it's like it's like half of the best RoboCop ever, comic ever, and then half just terrible. Um, possibly even worse than some of the old RoboCop stuff. So, well, that's RoboCop. Well, that's that's work for hire too. That is, and then, you know, maybe he's getting bored. He's got four other comics going on. Hey, you know what? Alan Moore didn't write masterpieces every time either. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, next think, up we have something I haven't read yet. 
You either. Oh, my God, it made you haven't read it? That, that, no, I sell out of it too quickly. You know, the latest one is, uh, I guess, interesting because it's the most contemporary. It has to do with yeah. the Israeli-Palestinian war yeah. or whatever it was. Maybe the Seven Days War. I forget. It's the Seven but, Days War, yeah. We're talking yeah. about war stories, everyone. You can't see our itinerary. It's yeah. uh, the fifth <laughs> issue of War Stories, which I can't wait to read just because uh, it doesn't seem like he's going to have the pacing problems of the second series or the first series. But it does seem like he's going to have... Well, really bad art. <laughs> yeah, that's that's been the biggest sadness for the book because Avatar's uh, we'll call them C listers are on this one anyway. I guess I guess they've been around. They know this book is going to make any money, so these guys are probably making twenty dollars a page on this or whatever. But we're, uh, we're doing this yeah. to keep Garth happy. That's yeah, what we're we doing love Garth. this comic for. We're Garth whores, no matter how bad he can get. We love our Garth. You know, he's doing a. Um, speaking mm. of DC books, the fucking section eight. Uh, miniseries, okay. We'll, we'll make a slight blurb on that. Uh, Garth Ennis, John McRae, originally guys on Hitman. If any of you are old enough with whiskers to remember Hitman, it was probably one of the most innovative and funny series DC ever published. Anyway, uh, some minor insane characters, which was a superhero group within that parameter, was called Section 8, made up of a bunch of psychopaths, losers, alcoholics, and wannabes. And they got the green light series. Now, I don't know how much they're going to temper Garth Ennis on this. Hopefully, they'll leave him alone. But I'm going to look at that one. That's the one I had an interest in. I'll well, hold that. on. He's doing a Secret Wars book, too. Oh, for Marvel, huh? He's doing uh, Where Monsters Dwell, which is, uh, who is it? It's a World War One fighter pilot fighting dinosaurs. Wait a minute, that's from Star Spangled War. That's going to be a Marvel book. That's a Marvel a... book. Yeah, it's an old DC concept, but it's a Marvel yeah, book. Yeah, I know, cool. but you know what? There you go. I, I don't know how many issues it's going to be. It's Russ Braun, too. All right. I don't know how he does on dinosaurs, but he does damn good people getting fucked up. I'll tell you that, man. We got a couple to read this summer. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's good, good to see Garth again. I, I, I'm a Garth whore, I admit it. What do we got Avatar. next here? What do we got? We got another. Oh, Avatar. we've got Cross One Hundred Number Two. Yeah, Alan oh. Moore lived. Did you read it? You hadn't yes, read it the I last did. time I talked to you. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it, it is so textured. It's just ridiculous. There's so much going on in this book. I mean, we, we've talked about the dialogue, right? But there's so much going on with the fucking characters. There's only about six of them, but when you're exposed to all their thoughts, oh, processes, it's just and fantastic. And, yeah. you know, I was telling somebody about it who was, you know, eh, and it's just like, no, it, he, it's amazing how much work he's putting into this book that does not matter at all. If, if this thing finishes, it, it would be a great script for a movie. Let me tell you, I mean, a Hollywood producer could just come into this and say, you know what, here's our movie and then cut Garth and Alan a decent check and we all go home happy. Um, I'm go we're going to make kudos to uh, Gabriel Andrade, the series artist. Yes, who who works his tukas off, keeping his um, his characters straight. You can identify them all easily, even though there's only six of them. I know, but uh, the guy does a great job with the uh, the cultural artifacts and the uh, architecture and stuff, and the jungles and the animals. And Jesus, this is a fun little comic. About there's tons to do in it. Yeah, he's got tons of stuff he's got to fill in on. And yeah, crossed crossed is good. <sighs> Buy yourself some cross kitties. All right, here's one that we, we have mixed feelings about. Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick's Bitch Planet. Bitch Planet. Um, it, it, it's a cool concept. I'm not quite sure it's living up to the uh, hype as far as a, a great comic is concerned. It's probably something, probably the, one of the most important things Kelly's written, I imagine, in her career at this point. Um, that said, it's kind of a comic that's kind of halfway there for me. It, it doesn't quite jump into that next level of what I would call oh, fully fully realized. I don't know. You were talking about concerns about publication and the art, but the art's pretty simple. But still, yeah, the guy gets it out every four weeks. Who is this? Who's our artist on this book? Peter Cowles. No, that's not oh, right. Valen Lan Valentina DeLandro or something, isn't it? Valentina DeLandro, that sounds right. So, I mean, I feel like one of the things is that I, the amount of attention this book's getting is the amount of attention that Western should have gotten. Remember that one? Which Pretty one? Pretty Deadly. 
Yes, but in Pretty Deadly's class, though, it, 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 in its defense, it was a really unique comic. No, I liked it. That's what I was saying. That yeah. The attention Bitch Planet's getting is deser- more deserved by something like Pretty Deadly. Yes, yes, you're probably right. If you're talking about a true true feminist comic, I think Pretty Deadly like actually accomplishes what this book might kind of perpetrate towards. I don't right. know. I didn't read the back matter in issue two. I have to get around doing that because I like that one. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 all right. It's kind of like a Hollywood script. Does it feel that way to you? Yeah, I mean they're very. I, I think they're trying to sell a cable TV show. You know, it's yeah. It seems like it's more about sales than it is about. Um, it's uh, about developing the property. Well, yeah. I mean, you know. It, I mean, it, which is fine. Could... You know, it. I mean, that's okay. Well, too. It, 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 well, in the editorial, they 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 say it's 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 got feminism in it, and I I see there's a lot of strong feminist roles, but they're still subjugated by the system, no matter how you look at it. Right. Even if they succeed on Bitch Planet, it's still a subjugation by a male-run society. Okay. Um, I don't. know. You know what? It's still better than anything Marvel and DC publishes. There go ahead, go. buy it. Give her a dime. Let's support the cause, kids. Okay. So, um, next up we have – oh, I didn't read it. You didn't read it? Boy, you are getting lucky tonight, aren't you? Sixth Gun. Help me out here. Is this supposed to end at 50 or am I wrong? I've heard or? that it's ending very soon. Yes. Well, we hit the 46th issue this week. And I got to say, it's basically a repeal of the issue 45's review where – uh, Colin, Colin Bond, the writer, uh, is really just taking his measured time with the finish. And I have to say, it is probably, and it works. It, well, so far, it hasn't finished, but by having the time he needs to develop the type of emotional response he's looking for at the end of the world, he's been able to stretch this out over several issues. And it is just hypnotic. In its way. I mean, the characters are revolving and everything's faded and everything's wild and woolly. And it's just really um, surreal. And it's getting towards a real nice finish. And, I, you know, I, can't, I hate to say it. I can't ever say I've, I've read anything of Collins outside of this that I've really cared for. I know. I'm, I am so involved with this book. And yet when he writes like Green Lantern or Sinistro or whatever the fuck it is, I just can't get into it. But the six gun is just great, and I'm hoping it finishes good. Anyway, that's my review on that. I'm gonna let you yak about the cow. The cowl number eight. Um, it was okay. Um, yeah. How do you know? What, what, how do you feel about the momentum of the series so far? Now that we're at eight, we'll skip the dreaded issue six because that was an aberration. I feel it, like it. dreaded issue six kind of slowed us down a bit. Yeah. And I feel like. It, it, it's they really, have not found their footing again. Yeah, and it with the art problems this issue too. It, it seems like there might be reasons for concern that maybe this is not going to be able to sustain. Yeah, it's it's there's an awful lot of labor here. I mean, I'm looking at the fellow uh, uh, Alex Siegel. You know, he really no, works Rod hard. Rees. Alex Siegel's the co-writer. Oh, my apologies. Thank you, Rod Rees. You know, he's doing, you know, his, his artwork is fine. It it has a certain, um, and there's there's always a p- problem with painted comics. And they lack the dynamic black line work that a traditional comic holds. And when you do this, you've got to really up your ante. And he, doing a monthly deadline does not allow you to be inventive within those perimeters and still tell a, a real vibrant graphic visual story. And the painting aspects of it hold down the dynamics significantly uh, where I wish he had more time to work on it and it would go to the next level. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like the book. I like the characters. But yeah. we're at a dangerous point here where they have to – they've got to bring something to the table as far as like a finish to the arc, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, or they've got to – yeah. It, it It does not feel as tight as the previous arc did. And you you kind of just don't trust them in some ways after that terrible fill-in issue. Well, that that you're right. It hurt momentum, and I'm hoping they pull out of it. But perhaps it was a little too soon for them to start a second arc. Maybe they should have taken that break mm. and just kind of said, "Okay, we can make this better." Or how can we make this better? Again, should we fault Image for this? I don't know. Now, next up, okay, 
Are That's you your talk, baby. Uh, oh, now you get Ms. Marvel, man. I gotta try to remember what happened in Ms. Marvel 11. Here, can you see the cover? Does that help? Nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was written by Willow Wilson. Does that help? <laughs> I did read this, right? Hold on a second here. It's It's got artwork by Alfano. Alfana, who's a series regular, I know that. I swear I read this. Hold on. Yeah. You know, one of the I didn't read I, this yet. Oh, I'm so sorry. I probably should have put it on the list then. You know, the the artwork is, is kind of confusing, but, you know, it looks professionally done. I, I'm, I'm going to let it go. We're going to put a pass on here today since neither one of us is familiar with this thing. Yeah, um, we, didn't, we didn't get to this or war stories. Yeah, apparently I missed somehow I didn't get Squirrel Girl and Miss Marvel read. Okay. I don't know how you miss Squirrel Girl, motherfucker. I tell you. I, uh, you know. All right. Well, I gotta, I gotta handle the next one because they're not like us too. Is not a book that probably Andrews wasted his time with. Um, it's uh, Eric Stevenson's version of the X Men, as he calls it, or I called it. And then he says, "Oh yeah, he wrote Fantastic Four. Now he's writing X Men." I get it. Uh, it's still, it's still a good mainstream book. Uh, I get, I get the uh, the the hip tidiness of it all. And Simon Gaines' art is just really effing cool. And Jordy Bellow's colors are good. And for two ninety nine, I think it's a damn good X-Men comic, although they'd probably slip, slip my throat for saying that. Uh, I'd say buy this book because it's still better than anything Marvel or DC has on the rack. <laughs> ah, well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm biased. You didn't and, read. Did you read? I didn't read Empty. Now, the next one I also didn't read because Vernon was kind of like, yeah, this was a real disappointment. So I just skipped it. Oh, you bad boy. Well, you got lucky because it it, it, Jimmy Robinson, you know, he's really good. We really enjoyed his five weapons, the story about a young gentleman going through uh, villain school, Uh, really taught detective oriented, detail oriented written stuff. We liked it. The pacing was good. None of that is part of empty. <laughs> Don't laugh. I feel bad. I'm saying this. I'm panning a book. I like the guy. Uh, it's like a, it's like a Disney movie. It reads like a Disney movie, you know, like this world that's almost uninhabited. And there's like this one race that are real prejudiced. And then someone comes out of the blue to, with miracles, but they're suspicious. And I'm like, this is all like just base stuff. It's kind of like you're talking to kids, I guess, when he's, you know, narrating. And then the characters look so odd. I'm like, I'm sure he doesn't do drugs, but there's something weird with these characters. You'll just have to look at the visuals. I don't know. Anyway, Empty was, I, you know, I, I wish him the best, but I don't know if Empty's there. And I hope I don't make him lose any sales, but I just didn't enjoy the comic. I'm sorry, Jimmy. You can you can castrate me. I like your work, but no. no. <laughs> anyway, go for the next one. This is the last one I've got on the uh, itinerary here that I can talk about. It's Cluster Number 1, which we were looking forward to because it's the new Ed Brisson uh, who we've been loving on Sons of Anarchy and liking on Prophet? A, no, uh, he he's like the letterer on Prophet. The field he did, and he also did that. Um, sheltered. Oh yeah, he yeah. So we've been liking Ed Brisson. He's been interesting to us. And then this is him doing sci-fi with Damien Cusiero, who uh, does uh, some of the Vroom Vroom Sons of Anarchy with him. But it's it's you know real straight sci-fi. It's pretty good. You know, it's just sci-fi. Um, yeah, it could yeah, be more original. You know, the art could be bigger, but it, it works out. Right. It's it's a satisfying read. Yeah, it's a satisfying read. Now. It'll. It remains to be seen if it can really go anywhere. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's the thing. It's supposed to be what a mini. I think. I don't. Know. I. It, I don't it, know. It, it, they it, don't. It, they never advertise things as miniseries anymore. Hey, is it? This is it. Like this is almost like another woman in prison series, only with a bunch of men and aliens. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're totally. they're set on this. They're let loose on this alien ant landscape to survive or whatever. So there's no original. There's no original premises here. And is it Damien Cusero? Is that his name? The artist. Yeah. He's very uh, solid. He's a good, solid mainstream artist. I think at one point it'd be really nice for him just to up his game a little and let things happen a little more in his artwork, where it has more of a personal edge to it. Uh, right now, he looks like a very decently. Uh, 
learned draftsman, and if he can go up a notch, you know, he might be able to tr- make some hash out of this. He's very solid, though. All right, want to do so? You, you have I didn't no, read no, any of these. Go for it. Me. Jesus, man, Vern's got to talk too much in this episode. I apologize to you kids at home. Uh, anyway, we'll do some mini reviews. Lady Killer, man. Here, here's the series that you love to read, and you can't explain why because it's just really bad. Uh, we panned Joel Jones for the really bad Madam Frankenstein a while back, and uh, she is. I guess she has teamed up with Jamie Rich for. This really stylish-looking uh, thing about like a what appears to be a suburban housewife who's a really messy professional killer, uh, and uh, it, it makes it on Jamie Rich's art. I'm not going to lie on that one. It's very sharp. It's got some nice classic lines, and that's uh, good mindless fun. No, Joelle Jones is the artist. Jamie Rich is the writer. Holy shit! I don't right, even well, read this comic, and I know that. Well, you know, you keep up with writers. Joelle Jones. Okay, Joelle Jones is the artist to watch for. Uh, she, I'm going to guess this is a she. She's, she's someone I'm going to keep an eye open for. Anyway, you didn't read Stray Bullets. Okay, David Lapham, you're probably done with David Lapham at this point. He does a good story with Beth here and one of the interesting male protagonists. And uh, David Lapham works to his strengths in this new miniseries. And the first issue was pretty good. If you're a David Lapham fan, you'll know who you are. And it works. Okay, my last joke on comics is Walking Dead 137. You want to know why? Why? Because I managed to sell out of the issue before I read it. And one of my customers emailed me because he'd missed. He goes, you got a copy? I go, no, sold out. He goes, and he goes, okay. And then later on he emails me. He goes, oh, I, I got the issue. It's a good thing you didn't read it. And I go, why did Carl lose his virginity? And he goes, no, worse than that, gross or something. So anyway... I go, now I beat my curiosity. So I go to one of my subscribers' files. I pull it out. I read it. Guess what? What? Carl lost his virginity. (laughs) Robert Kirkman, God forbid. The guy writes soap operas for a living, but I'm just making a joke about what happens, and and it happens. I just, I, I had to end with that one. I'm sorry. Anyway, here's your here's your meat and potatoes. We like to talk about the media, man. I don't know how you are, but my comic shop is buzzing about the Flash. Oh, TV it's, so it's so good! It's so good. Everybody and their mother loves it. Did you see this week's yet? Huh? Have you seen this week's? Yes, I did. I oh, I, did. I mean that's my favorite episode so far, just because they do so much. Yes, it was, you know, it, it's, you know, when they start a new TV series, the first few episodes are generally clunky. They're, they show a lot of promise, what could happen. But what is this, like the 12th or 13th episode of this series? And they really are clicking on all six cylinders. They get all the emotional points right. The characters all vibe together wonderfully. And it just throws more questions in there. Like, what was it? What the fuck's the name of this guy in the wheelchair? Professor what? Wells? Wells. Wells. You know, how they do a 180 on him is just totally beyond me now. I'm just, I'm in, I'm in awe of this thing, you know? Uh, the whole thing with the utterly ridiculous science. It, it is such comic book science what they did in the old house, the scene of the original murder mm-hmm. scene with Cisco and the ridiculous machine, I'll call it. Yeah, we can get pictures from 12 years ago from this mirror. I'm like, okay, I can buy this because I read comic books. But you're right, it was great. Please. Elaborate on ways. I just got excited. I apologize. No, no, no. So yeah, you had a uh, what was it? Was it you had three subplots? Because you also had the uh, the Barry Allen dating subplot, which was good. Oh, it was really good. And you know, then you have the Firestorm subplot, and that was just awesome. And I mean, it's just it's really working out, and it's much tighter than Arrow was at this point. Arrow's still not this well-executed of a show, which is kind of weird considering it's been on for three years. It still hasn't gotten direction yet. Right. It still hasn't hit this level, so... I know, and Flash did it in 13 episodes, which says their creative team is much more on the ball. Exactly. What is there? Is there anything you can't like about the Flash? That should be the question tonight. Iris. Yes, I don't like Iris. And she's and you know what? She's getting comeuppance, so you know it's it's even better. Yes, yes. The 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 her her part in the latest episode was good. Although I don't like the way they gave his new girlfriend 
what's her name? Parks, Linda Parks. Yeah, Linda Parks. Name Linda Parks. You know, the show is full of Easter eggs, but you know what? I wish they used the Easter eggs creatively instead of in contrast with reality. Now you know who Linda Parks is, right? Wasn't that it? is Speed. That's Speedy's wife, who has gave birth to two of his children in the comic books. Oh, see that? I'm like looking. I go, well, wait a minute. Wally's not gonna like have a girlfriend named Linda Parks, you know? Uh, anyway, and she was even like semi Eastern too. It was it was like okay, you've even used her likeness to some degree. So I'm like, well, you guys got to cut that shit out. You know what I mean? If there was one thing I'd say I didn't like, it's that. Other than that, I'm a total flash fiend. Did you get to check out Peggy Carter, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? No, you know, at this point, I think I'm just going to wait for it to hit the old, uh, when it comes out on DVD. Gotcha. Oh, you know, I think it's got like a movie first episode, hour and a half, hour, 20 minutes. And then everything is like, what, 40, Mm -hmm. 42 minutes or 40 minutes after that. But there's only like six episodes. So you can burn through them pretty quick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's oh, see. What's uh, your, got... your eye zombie thing? I don't even yeah, know what the, you're talking about. The commercials got me. Do you remember the Vertigo series eye zombie that Michael Allred drew for? No. You don't. Okay, that came out years ago. I don't think maybe you were around, maybe you weren't. I can't remember. But it was an older Vertigo series, and he drew it. And I'm like, the chick is a dead ringer for a Michael Allred drawing out of the comic book. And it shows her, like, crumbling brains on a salad and stuff like that. And it's uh-huh. all done tongue-in-cheek. And I said, you know, this might work. You know, I mean, if people don't want to watch Walking Dead, they can get the humor out of this anyway. <laughs> I, I don't know. But the TV shows seem to be just – you talked about this in the last episode about how you felt the TV shows were more successful in embedding this iconic mythos of comics into our consciousness. Yeah. And we'll see. We'll see how Marvel deals with that with Daredevil. They they don't have they don't have a high bar to jump to beat uh, Agents of Shield, but you know. Well, you know, everybody says the second season was better than the first. I'm a total neophyte. What did, did you? See everybody the says that too. I'm not willing to give it a chance. You know, that's the thing. The first season scared me away so bad that I think I tried like two or three times to watch it. And I just found it so bad that I just I'd rather watch Antiques Roadshow. You know, so I haven't gone back for the second season either. No, I mean they really, they really went too far down the crap um, on that. And but, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, to get me to watch again, I can't even imagine. Like, because they've had guest stars and it's been stupid. So, like, what are they gonna do? <laughs> well, you know, they, a lot of people have said they successfully entered. Finally, after what a season. Maybe that was the same problem that some other shows had, that, that it didn't gel, I don't know, until the second season. Uh-huh. But by the same token, it's too bad when you, like, lose the momentum. Like, let's face it, people like you and I, we'll get one chance at watching a show. Mm-hmm. And we usually don't go back just because the first thing didn't encourage us to want to watch it any further. You know what I mean? And it, it could be a masterpiece, you know, but we'll never know just because... You know, that first initial impression just – and they got to be careful with those first initial impressions. That's all I can say. Right. Make, make a show or do a comic that blows me out of the water. I don't – you know, too many issue ones of comic books, they're just like – they're like introductions of things rather than, you know, things in their own right. And they really got to make them mind-blowing things if you want me to come back for two. You know, that's right. the thing. I mean, I'm not a Kurt Busiek fan. But I'm still – I read like three issues of Tooth and Claw. Exactly, I'm, yeah. Busy. Tooth and Claw is really going fine, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I give him kudos. I hope it works out for him. He deserves a great hit like uh, like he does because I says, okay, go for it, you know. Oh, man, I think we have tapped out here. Do you got anything you got to cover him, Taro? Nope, I think we got it. Good, good for you kids. I think we kept this down to a reasonable time limit too. Yeah, under an hour, which we haven't done for a while. No good. Well, we decided that to do it this week. Next week was filled with more releases, so we would have just uh, just shot our wad way too long after that. <laughs> All but, right. But uh, you know, we're going to continue to follow everything on this TV and movie front. Have you heard anything about the movies real quick? Uh, uh, anything interesting? Spider-Man in being in the Marvel Universe? Eh. Money, money. I, I, people ask me, I say, you know, Sonny had a bad quarter. They needed cash. There you right. go. Done. They need free advertising from Marvel now that Marvel's 
you know, shown them that they're willing to cut, what is it, Fantastic Four down to size. So... If you can make Fantastic Four relevant to today's society, I will be truly amazed. We'll see. That, yeah, it's like, that preview it's, didn't do much to impress. Yeah, I still haven't seen that yet. Yeah. You you don't see much. It's oh, okay. Forget. It. I'll wait for the next one. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's it. That is it, my friend. We'll keep it bubbly, and uh, you know what? You got any problems, questions? Just email us. Uh, you can find Andrew over at thecomicsfondle dot com. You can email him there, or you can come to the Facebook page of the Comics Gallery and yell at me directly. We're good with that. Yeah. You got any reactions? Let us know. Okay. In the meantime, you have a good week, uh, pleasant reading, and uh, only read good comics. Yeah. So. Read a lot happy of image. Va- yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And happy Valentine's Day. Oh, happy Valentine's Day, Vernon. Yeah, we're old married farts. Do we give a shit about that stuff? Anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Night, everyone.